All right. Happy Friday, everybody. Thanks for listening. We're at odds here. I'm Adam. And I'm Jared. And uh, hopefully you listened to us last week because I think we we picked out some pretty decent bets. But this week we're going to do even better. So as you remember, we switched up our format a little bit instead of just picking every single NFL game, which was mundane and honestly pretty much impossible to beat Vegas. We switched it up to where we're using units and we could actually pick bets, underdogs, favorites, however we wanted to. And it was much more effective way. We think of discussing the content as well. And, uh, my opening week was very successful. Uh, I'm placed a total of five bets and I won four of them. Actually, I'll go through them real quick. Dolphins. I had to cover the spread at plus 17. That was pretty easy cover. Honestly, the whole game, I was pretty confident they were going to cover. Buffalo could never really run away from them. It just seemed obvious to me because Baltimore, Baltimore, Buffalo's offense was not an elite offense. It's going to be tough for them to get 17 points of separation. So I had about five on that one, four thirty-five. I took the Cardinals straight up. Uh, I got plus one thirty on that. Again, Danny Dimes has been struggling a little bit. Kyler's been coming into his own. I thought that was a pretty solid bet. I bet five on that and won six fifty. The Tampa Bay Lightning, I won as well. That game was a little more stressful. Went into overtime, I think maybe even a shootout. Uh, I'm not sure. I was following some of the Thursday night football game, but I was kept my eye on that. But that was plus 105. I bet eight and returned 8.4 on that. Uh, pretty stressful, but I thought that that was a very solid bet. I thought the Lightning were undervalued, so I figured I was going to take that as an underdog because I'll bet you for the rest of the season, they probably wouldn't be an underdog more than maybe one or two games. The Florida Gators were my heaviest bet of the day, minus 5.5. I just thought that they were going to roll South Carolina. It was actually a lot closer than I anticipated it to be, but in the end they covered it because they've got a pretty decent QB QB play. I thought that would be the difference, and it was at the end of the game. 15 bet and 13.65 was the win, and actually, believe it or not, my lock of the week, as I discussed last week, Jared, was the Texans at plus one, and... The Texans lost that game, and that was my only bet that I lost. And I talked about that like it was my most confident bet I had out there. So I'm a little sad about that. Seven units was my bet that I lost. So all in all, I won 32.90 in pure profit plus some of the return winnings. I'm sitting right now at 125.9, so just about 126 units. So I'm up 26 units of profit after our, our one week. So pretty solid, I would say. Yeah, that was definitely a solid start to the uh, new format that we have. I'll follow up real quickly with some of my uh, picks that I had. Um, I finished pretty much even on the week. Definite uh, controversy we can get into, but uh, my oh, first yeah. one was the uh, Dominic Reyes over Chris Weidman. That one was uh, just as I expected. Weidman came out like an animal, not really knowing what he was doing, went for a takedown, kind of got it, struggled for a minute or two, and then got knocked out after about 45 more seconds. Now to my lock of the week, which <clears throat> ends up being a push, Greg Hardy over Ben Sassoli. So most people probably did not watch this, but Greg Hardy pretty much dominated for three full rounds. And it turned out he used an inhaler in the middle of a round. And he was actually told by the commissioner he could do it, but it's illegal. So they came up as a no contest. So that was actually my lock of the week that I guess I was right, but technically on the uh, books, I would be a push um to quickly go over the other ones i had oregon over washington at minus three that one was a little bit of a 
a nail biter down until the very end. Oregon was actually losing, came down on a touchdown drive toward the end of the game. Um, I also had the Eagles to cover against the Cowboys. And I told you the one I was only putting five units on because you never know what you're going to get with the Cowboys. And good thing I only put five on it because this was the one game for the last month that the Cowboys showed up and actually just rolled the Eagles. And then my last one was uh, definitely a disappointing one with the Chargers' money line at the Titans. The Chargers had that game locked up and basically scored three times, and none of them counted. You had Eckler getting tackled on the goal line, called back. You had Melvin Gordon can't punch it in from the six-inch line. I guess that's what happens when you skip training camp and think you're better than your whole team. And then he goes and fumbles, too, just to add add to it. So I think uh, probably 99 out of 100 times I would have hit on that one as well. So, <clears throat> But that's why we do it every week because things like you're that. The, uh, I'll tell you, you're the it. UFC guru. Yep. You got those. You got those matchups on lock. So, and none of you guys heard it, but I actually changed one of my picks, not the two. I had a third UFC pick originally when we were going back and forth with our picks, who actually also won, which was probably one of the most entertaining fights I've ever seen. But, um, anyways, I guess Adam, you can take us into the show this week. Yeah. So also our head-to-head, we uh, have a head-to-head oh, that we okay. went to last week. And basically, we pick a primetime game, and we each pick a side of it. And last week, I we I had the Jets plus ten. Uh, Jared had the Patriots minus ten. Obviously, I I don't even like. I mean, that was ridiculous. Like, uh, I don't. We don't have to talk about it. That was just ridiculous. So I'm zero one in our head to head. Uh, we'll jump into uh. Our head-to-head a little bit later on in the show to to see if I can redeem myself and get back to 500. But moving into this week, I'll kick us off. Uh, I'm starting at 125.9 once again for this week. And my first one, I'm going right back to the well, and I'm taking some hockey again. I'm pretty confident. I'm loving the odds that I'm getting in some of these hockey games the more that I'm looking at them. And... It pains me a little bit to say this. Uh, Jared, maybe pains you a little bit to hear this. We're from Detroit, and I'm going to be, for the first time on this show, betting against a Detroit team. I've taken the Lions a handful of times, but the odds are just too good. I'm taking the Buffalo Sabres to cover a one-and-a-half-point spread. Now, hockey, for those of you who aren't familiar, they do straight-up spreads, which this game is a straight-up Buffalo minus 115. But I have them covering a one and a half point spread, meaning I think they're going to win by two or more goals. And the odds I get on that are plus 230. I think those are outstanding odds. Listen to some of these brief statistics here. First of all, Detroit is at home, gives them the slight advantage. um, So it gives the odds a little bit better in their favor, even though they're not a very good team. Detroit is three and seven, and they've lost five straight games. Buffalo is eight, two, and one, and they've won three of their past four. Now, the goals for this is where it gets the statistics just don't even lie at all. Goals for the Buffalo Sabres are averaging 1.2 more goals for than the Detroit Red Wings on the season, and the averaging 1.1 goals less given up per game than the Detroit Red Wings. So you combine that, that's a 2.6 goal differential between those two. That's why I love this 1.5 spread here. It's not a guarantee. Certainly, I think Buffalo's got the upper hand in this, but to take plus 230 in a game that really Buffalo should pretty easily win, given 
where they're sitting in the standings early on first in the Atlantic division versus where the Red Wings are. We don't even need to talk about it right now. Sitting at three and seven already tanking um, after Mantha got us off to a hot start. So I'm taking seven units on that. The return is 16.1. I love that odds. I encourage everybody to go out and grab that if you can, because I really like Buffalo in this game and to cover two point spread or one and a half point spread, just an empty netter goal. They get up early whatever needs to happen. So that's my first, and I really like those odds. That's an interesting take. I might have to tail you on that. Uh, two quick points. One of them would be that the Red Wings seem to have this uh, uh, attraction or attachment with giving up five goals a game. They've given up, what, five goals the last four or five games they've played. So, uh, I mean, listen, I feel real pretty quick. confident that Buffalo is going to score five on them. Real quick, their last Red Wings last five games, they've lost all of them. Here's their goal differential. Three, three, one, four, four. Statistically, they're losing by way more than one and a half per game. And if you look at the goal differential on the other side by Buffalo, they're coming close to winning by a goal per game. So the other thing I'd add too with it being hockey, do you think Buffalo is gonna win? Most people I think would say yes. If you think they're gonna win, they have to win by one at least to win. Exactly. Odds are Red Wings are going to pull their goalie if it's a close game and Buffalo covers that one and a half. Then. Exactly. And it's plus 230. That's why I like it so much. Yeah. Interesting, though. So I guess that takes me to uh, my first pick, and I will be going um, right back to what I've been good at is UFC. So again, as I said last week, I usually um, make my money on the underdogs, but I'm going to take a favorite again this week with um, Ben Askren actually taking down Damian Maya with uh, 10 units at risk to win six and six oh six. The reason I really like these odds are so Ben Askren I think is being discounted by a lot of people because I don't. A lot of you probably aren't familiar with the name, but you'd be familiar with the highlight if I showed it. This is the guy who got his face kneed off in about three seconds. Was that about three months ago? I mean, I, people thought he died. He literally got kneed oh, in the head yeah. two seconds into the fight that. and was laying on the ground stiffer than a board. And I think he really is one of the best fighters in his weight division. He's probably maybe the best wrestler the UFC's ever seen. He competes with Olympic wrestlers on a regular basis. These are guys that specialize in wrestling. He competes with them. He made his way through the UFC like a hot knife through butter up until his last fight. And I think he let his head get the best of him. This is a fight where he was a lot of trash talking going back and forth between the fight, and he kind of got wrapped up in, I'm going to go beat this guy in one second instead of I'm going to control a fight like I usually do. He's not a knockout artist. He's a guy who wrestles people, grinds them into the ground, gets the choke, and wins the, game, or wins the fight or submission. And he just stormed in head first like a raging bull on steroids and just took a knee straight to the face. I honestly think he probably would have won that fight if he didn't get caught by that knee. So I think a lot of people are discounting how good of a wrestler he is now, especially since he's matched up with a a uh, guy named Damian Maya, who's a very well-rounded jiu-jitsu fighter, but he's nearing the end of his career. He's over 40 years old. He struggled with top wrestlers. He has one of two last fights, but they're against nobodies. The last three previous before that were Kamara Usman, Colby Covington, I believe, and Tyrone Woodley, who are all very strong wrestlers, but not even as elite as Ben Askren, and he lost to all of them. Uh, the only challenge Ben Askren really faces is facing a uh, elite stand-up fighter who we can't get to the ground. So I think this fight's going to go to the ground and we're going to see the Olympic level wrestler grind out the uh, jiu-jitsu artist. Alright, well I'm, like I said, UFC guru, I'm tailing you on it today. Um, I'm taking it. I don't know that much about UFC, but 
I don't. You you have not let our viewers down on UFC or me. For I know he's. We've only done one week of this new betting format, but pretty much like I don't know. Every other week he's texting me his locks and what he's doing on uh, on the UFC lines, and I would say he's hitting well above fifty percent on those. So I'll, I'll tell you. I did you. not mention, or if if I didn't mention that is my lock of the week, even though I said it first. Your your lock of the week. Oh yeah. I would, I would get my child if I had a child. Let's put it that way. All right, sounds good. Jared's locking that one in <laughs> as our lock of the week. These are just locked sound effects on YouTube, and that's that was that really <laughs> let me down. But I had it, I had it loaded up too, and that was that was pretty pretty much of a letdown. But I'm moving back to football, uh, where I consider myself the biggest expert, and I'm taking the Eagles. At plus 105, I'm taking the Eagles' money line on this. They are playing the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. A couple things as to why I I, I like this bet. Number one, the Buffalo Bills yeah. are five and one team. Philadelphia Eagles are a three and four team. I always like to kind of take a step back and look at what I think they are likely to finish the season as and their record and kind of evaluate their wins and losses for the rest of the season. Because odds are, if you're a pretty good football team, you're going to win 9, 10, 11 games. If you're not that great of a football team, you're going to win less. I'm looking at the Eagles, and I think that they're okay to a good football team. So I think they're going to get on track to move themselves closer to five, or to 500, excuse me, because they're 3 and 4. Here's the big thing that I'm betting against the Buffalo Bills. They're not a 5-1 and one football team. Sure, they're decent, but listen to their last five games that they have. They beat the Dolphins 31-21. Who cares? The Dolphins like playing, no, what is it, Pop Warner teams? Ten, they beat Tennessee 14-7. Marcus Mariota is now wiping Ryan Tannehill's butt. So that is ridiculous. Who even cares about that win? They lost to New England. Honestly, that's probably their their best game of their last five is losing to New England only 16-10. to 10. Then Cincinnati, they barely won 21-17, and then they beat the Giants. Like, I mean, those four of their last five games, their last four wins are just against, like, such bad teams, against the very worst teams of the NFL. So I don't think that they're five, six, seven, eight, and one team. I think we're going to see a little bit of regression to the mean on their record. Here's my other reason and that's Carson Wentz versus Josh Allen Carson Wentz is under a little flack but only because the Eagles are three and four listen he's got 13 touchdowns to four interception uh that's an outstanding ratio that's over three touchdown to uh one interception that's like Aaron Rodgers level he's having a underrated season Eagles are struggling. He's had tons of drops. Listen to their last games that I'm going to go through. Lost to Dallas. They got killed by Dallas, but Dallas is a good team. They lost to the Vikings, but the Vikings look like a very good team. They beat the Jets. They beat Green Bay. Green Bay's only loss, and they only lost to the Lions, who look like at least an okay team, because they had like six drops or seven drops. So Carson Wentz is getting no help. I like to see the Eagles go to Buffalo and win this game. I've got 10. This is my second biggest uh, bet of the week. I've got 10 on the Eagles here to return 10.5, 10 units to return 10.5. Any thoughts on that one? I actually have to agree with you. I was looking at this one. I I wasn't confident enough to put it in my picks for the week, but um, another thing that people often discount is I believe the Eagles are on the road, right? Yeah. Everybody assumes home field 
field advantage is because you have the fans yelling for you. I think that's true in college football, but in the NFL, I mean, people move around so much. I, I don't think the fans are really as much a factor as the travel. When you're really going on the road, think about it. The home team is sleeping in their own bed with their family, having their normal meals, going through a normal routine. The road team is traveling across the country, practicing on an unknown field, staying in a hotel. And that trip from Philadelphia to Buffalo, I mean, it's, it's barely a road game. I mean, yeah, you have to deal with the away crowd. But like I said, these are professionals. I think the crowd gets you a lot less than at the college level. Uh, I don't really think that home field advantage really plays a factor here. Cause like I said, the Eagles, they're probably sleeping in their own bed and taking a bus up the morning of, or maybe the day before they'll go in late, but they're not flying across the country or something, playing in a different time zone type of road trip. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so and there, I mean, I, I just think that, sorry to, sorry to interrupt. I just think that Buffalo, the biggest thing in my mind is seeing Buffalo. They're not a six and one football team. If they win this game, they're going to be six and one. I mean, they're talking like arguably first, like best team in the league at that point. If you're six and one, uh, I just don't think they're there yet. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, again, I think they're a good team, but not a exactly. A, so my first, uh, not first, my first football, but now that we'd be talking about it is actually with, I have Texas covering one and a half one. The line's been moving around a little bit with TCU. Um, first point, Again, I know I just said college is a little bit more of a home field advantage, but I actually live in Texas for those who don't know. And Texas is very weird in that people kind of move around all around the cities between Dallas, Austin. A lot of people live in Dallas, went to Austin. So even though this game is technically a home game for TCU in um, Fort Worth, there's, I would not be shocked if there's more Longhorns fans in the area than TCU fans. I mean, every single person in Texas likes the Longhorns, except for people that are fans of TCU and Houston and teams like that. So I really don't think there's much of a home field advantage here for TCU. Also, if you look at Texas's game, they've actually been a good team. The only losses they have, I believe, are Oklahoma by seven and LSU, who are both, what, top five, top six teams right now? I mean, mean, I'll be the first to admit I'm not a Texas fan. I almost root against them most of the time. But I think they are a, a solid team right now. I mean, they would probably be. 7-0 Seven and zero. If they didn't have Oklahoma already and have that tough road or um, out of conference game with LSU, yeah, so I, I mean, think and LSU at, looks like they're one of the best teams in the country. So it's like, yeah, I mean, if they would have just scheduled a weaker schedule, they'd be a, a six and one team right now with one loss to a top five team in Oklahoma. We'd be arguing about them maybe as an outside shot of the playoff. But I think their tough schedule kind of hurt them. They did look bad last week against Kansas. Maybe that's hurting them a little bit. But they found a way out of it. In a one-and-a-half-point spread, all you got to do is find a way out of it. I wouldn't yeah. take them in a seven-point game or something like that, but you, essentially when you're betting on a one-point spread, you're picking who's going to win the game. Every once in a while, a game ends at one point, but that's pretty rare. You look at TCU, on the other hand, they've struggled. I mean, they did beat Kansas pretty good in Purdue, but they lost to SMU, who looks like a, a decent team. Uh, they also lost to Iowa State. Again, a decent team. They lost to Kansas State. They're losing to not bad teams, but they aren't losing to elite teams like Texas is losing to. I also don't know how well TCU has been tested since they haven't played an elite team yet. Texas has played teams way better than TCU. TCU is going to feel like a walk in the park compared to LSU and um, uh, Oklahoma. So I think Texas rebounds here on the road. and uh, Again, close game, but squeaks out by a field goal or a touchdown or so. Yeah, I, mean, I, yeah I, like, I, I didn't mention I have um, 15 on that one, actually. Oh, okay. Is that your biggest one? Return. 
my biggest bet, but it's not my lock, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I mean, my lock is a UFC one with not the best odds. So I don't like to put a ton on something with bad odds where one punch can change it. Hey, my lock of the week was not my highest bet either. And I lost my lock of the week last week. So yeah, maybe it'll work there you out. Go. But staying in football here, uh, I've got the Raiders going to the Houston Texans. And I was honestly liking the odds for an upset, but decided against it. Um, because, I mean, you were looking at Houston at a plus seven favorite. You're getting uh, an outstanding money line on that. It was like 260, 265, I think, if I looked at it. And I think the Raiders are a little bit of an underrated team. But I just took the Raiders to cover the spread at plus seven. Uh, a couple of reasons why. Houston struggled a little bit to run away with games. I'm a mediocre Houston fan because I'm a big-time Deshaun Watson fan. Listen to their wins. They beat Kansas City, which is a great win, but Atlanta, the whole time, they're blowing up offensively, and every single time Atlanta touched the ball, they were scoring as well. They could not run away from the Falcons at all because they ended up winning by like 19 or something like that, but every time the Falcons were touching the ball, the Falcons put up like over 30 points, so... Then they lost to the Panthers, and they beat the Chargers, who look abysmal. But again, the Chargers, if you watch that game, stuck in that game the entire time until Houston took a step away late. Listen to the Raiders' last schedule. They obviously lost to Green Bay, but Green Bay looks like a premier team in the NFC. They beat Chicago, which is a decent team, but they have a struggling quarterback. They beat the Colts who have looked outstanding as of late. They lost to the Vikings, who look like one of the best teams in the NFC. And they lost to Kansas City when they had Patrick Mahomes, obviously playing not when he was hurt, and when they were maybe one of the best teams in the league. So the Raiders have had a very tough schedule thus far, and they have won a couple of the games. But they are – I like how they play football. They are consistently able to play in short-yarded situations. They're facing second and sixes, third and fours, because Josh Jacobs moves the ball. The the way John Gruden runs the offense, they're able to create short-yarded situations. I really like that against this Texans defense. I think Texans maybe step out and win this game. That's why I didn't want to take it as a straight-up underdog, um, even though I really like the money line on this. But... To cover plus seven, even if it's a two-score game with three minutes left in the game and the Raiders have the ball, they could cover the spread. So two field goals, anything. I like plus seven even as a push if, say, they get out in front the uh, Texans do and the Raiders are just kind of you know, putting some garbage time drives together. But I got eight units, and I rounded up. I was winning like 699 or something, 698 to seven. So eight-unit bet wins me seven on that one. Uh, like I said, I'm just confident in the Raiders' ability to keep it close against a Texans defense that is really struggling, you know, giving up like 390 yards a game or something. Um, so, I mean, the Raiders' defense isn't very good either, but I like that to be a close game. I actually agree with you again on this one. Um, not to spend too much time going over it, but I the Raiders – not necessarily the same style of play, but just the team makeup. They kind of remind me of the 49ers where Little bit. Um, they they don't have like a specific go-to guy. They just, I mean, they all show up. They just play a good game. They, I mean, the 49ers look like a better team than the Raiders. Don't get me wrong. They have an elite defense, it appears. But just from an offensive standpoint, they just 
the team shows up, they're professional. They just, whoever's open and whoever's working that day, they're going to feed the ball to. They're, they're not one of these teams that's got a go-to receiver or somebody like that's getting 15 targets. It's just, just move the ball, score some points. And that's, it's, maybe it's that old school mentality with Gruden that keeps them in it. But like you said, they constantly are finding themselves in second and six, third and three, similar to the 49ers. They're never battling these third and 15s. And another thing that's underrated is a lot of teams that have a coach like Shanahan or Gruden, they don't take stupid penalties on key plays. You see that happen with a team like the Lions all the time or the Redskins last night where it's it's third and six and you got a chance to pick up a first down. You have a false start. You have a holding. That kills teams. These very well-coached teams are like a Patriots team. You, they never have stupid penalties like that. And that right there could probably buy you seven points a game. And the other thing about the, uh, the – my only fear about this game is that because the Raiders' defense does struggle a little bit is that Houston runs out to an early lead and just demoralizes the Texans, you know, gets up <clears> two or <throat> three touchdowns in the first quarter. But if it's a, a one-score game after, you know, a quarter and you've got a live bet on it, and I, I would lock it in because I think that's an even safer option, obviously. But my only worry would be if the Texans were to jump out to a super hot start because they've been known to do that, and that's how they win some games. That's literally how they beat Atlanta is they just jumped out so hot and they couldn't be stopped. But take it away, Jared. Oh. Uh, I think you got your third pick coming up. So my next game is actually Notre Dame money line over Michigan. The line's been moving around a lot, depending on the book you're at. The last I saw, it was minus 120. So I was risking seven units for 583. It'll probably bounce around between even and 120 or so. Those Michigan fans come in and desperately try to hope for another win. Uh, the reason I'm taking Notre Dame, though, is I don't think Notre Dame's elite. They did lose to Georgia. That's the only loss. It was a good team. But it's more what Michigan can't do than what Notre Dame can do. And I know Adam follows Michigan closely from a I want them to lose standpoint, but Michigan under Harbaugh is maybe the worst team I've ever seen at living up expectations and winning big games. I mean, I think Harbaugh is 2-2 two and two against Michigan State in his time there, and he's been a favorite every single year, a heavy favorite in a couple of years. Every single big game I've ever seen him coach in, he has lost, especially as a Michigan Wolverines coach. Their biggest game they've won is probably beating Iowa uh, earlier this year, which I think they were a touchdown favorite. They barely won that game at home. And I think Iowa was a little overrated at that time. It was a 10-3 to game that Michigan had a lucky play on to get a touchdown. I think a turnover from Iowa, that would have been a 3-3 three to game without that play. <clears throat> so, I mean, you never know. Maybe Michigan does show up once, but if you look at the history, they don't show up. So I'm going to trust myself that the same thing's going to happen as it always does. Especially I looked at the weather and it looks like it's going to be a, a chance of rain and not cold, but 50 degree area. And Michigan's had a lot of trouble hanging out of the ball, especially uh, Shea Patterson. So you add a little rain into the mix, I'd almost guarantee a turnover or two for Michigan. So I think as long as Notre Dame can just keep their head cool and just play the game the way, the way they usually play, they're going to probably comfortably roll past these Wolverines. <clears throat> Okay, so listen, I'm I'm torn on this one. Maybe it's the pessimist in me because I always feel like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's the I feel like Michigan's going to win this game. And my reasoning has, I didn't bet on it because my reasoning's insane. Listen to my reasoning. Why is Michigan a one-point favorite in this game? Like, I've seen them at minus one. I've seen them at just like a pick. Why? It makes no sense. Just like you said, their history, they fall apart in 
every big moment. Like they don't win the big games. Vegas knows this. It's not like Vegas doesn't know that Michigan is bad in big games. It's not like everyone's getting like a secret pick. Like, oh, nobody knows Michigan's bad in big games. Like I'm going to get them. I'm going to get Notre Dame in this one as an underdog. Notre Dame's the higher rated team. Their only losses to Georgia. Everything is screaming. Notre Dame should win this game. And when that's the case, Vegas knows something that we don't know. I swear that's the case. So that's my reasoning as to why I think that Michigan's going to cover this spread. Maybe win this game. I don't. I don't know why. Because they do lose in all the big moments. It's hilarious to watch. And I don't know why. It's just like I'm looking at it, and every time you just think, "Oh, well, this is a for sure thing," it feels like Vegas knows something you don't know. So. Call it stupid reasoning. I'm not betting on this game. I'm nowhere near this game. I'd like to watch it. I'd like to watch Michigan fall apart again. Trust me. But they played better in the second half of the Penn State game. The weather I didn't know about, so that does play into it a little bit. But I don't know. It's just everything is screaming. Pick Notre Dame. Pick Notre Dame. Higher rated. Better record. Uh, only lost <clears throat> to a really good team. Uh, they went to the college football playoff last year. Like They have these makings of this team that you want to bet on. And for some reason, the spread is favoring Michigan. That's why uh, I don't know. It's I don't I'll, know. I'll tell you why the lines like that. And no offense, but it's because Michigan fans are stupid. Yeah, they know if you're they right. The lineup. If they put the lineup plus seven, Michigan does have a chance to cover seven. So all those Michigan slappies are going to come in and make a bunch of money. You put the line at minus one, Michigan or plus one minus one range. All those slappies are going to come in and bet on it just as they would if it were plus seven. But now you're going to be able to get them all to lose their money to the book. Yeah, because <clears> Michigan <throat> does have a lot of you're right, a lot of support, a lot of a lot of money. I'm sure to follow. So yeah, you're right. That that could be either. <clears throat> it just feels feels weird to me. Well, my next one is going for the first time in at odds history into the NBA because the NBA season obviously just started. And also, I'm making two firsts here at At Odds. Um, call me the Virgin Slayer. I've got a parlay for the first ever time here. Listen to what I've got. I've got the Lakers at minus 165 against, uh, sorry, Lakers against the Jazz. They're home. I've got the Trailblazers minus 145 on the road against the Kings. And I've got, here's the kicker. Dallas at plus 115 versus the Pelicans. They're on the road against the Pelicans. All right, so let me break through these each real quick. First, I'm going to start with the Lakers. So the Lakers are 0-1 this season. Obviously, they lost a tough game to the Clippers. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks it's one of the best teams in the league. I like the Lakers to get back on track. Here's the thing. I really like the Jazz this year. I think they've uh, improved. I think they've – Donovan Mitchell's got another year. They signed Borjan Bondanovic, I think is how you pronounce his name. But here's the problem. They, he, he's their biggest signing, and he may be out for this game. He's day-to-day right now. Whereas the Lakers are relatively healthy outside of Kyle Kuzma is also day-to-day. But the two guys that really matter, Anthony Davis and LeBron, are healthy. So I like the Lakers to get on track, get their first <clears throat> win of the season here. They're playing at home. They're they're decent favorites, minus 165. All they have to do is win by one bucket. You know, I I like for LeBron to maybe have a big game or him to have a triple-double, something like that, to really put on a show at home, get the season started in the way that they want to because this is their home opener. Um, So I I like them to win that game. 
I like Portland Trailblazers on the road versus the Kings. Similar reason. They're 0-1. I don't believe in the Kings. I think they're going to be an improved team. Um, Buddy Heald looks legit after he signed to the uh, contract. And Marvin Bagley, I think, is also going to be good. But Damian <clears throat> Lillard is really the truth. And when it comes down to some of these close games, it comes down to really sometimes who has the best player on your team. And this is... Uh, Two and a half points spread on this game. So Vegas thinks this is going to be a close game. I like Damian Lillard to be able to just straight up win. Again, not even cover spread on this one. Straight up win against Sacramento. Um, especially because Sacramento has several injuries. Buddy Heald, I mentioned, he's day-to-day. To day. And Marvin Bagley, who I also mentioned maybe their best, one of their best players, their best rebounder probably, is out. So some injuries there. I like the uh, Trailblazers just to win. And straight up to win here is my underdog, the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic looks like an absolute beast. He had 34 points in their uh, home opener last week. The only sketchy thing is it's always tough to bet on teams on the road on the other team's home opener because they've got such fire. But it's is this even really the Pelicans' home opener? Zion's not even playing. It's like that place is going to be so much more electric the first time Zion plays a game than it is right now. I feel like everyone's like... All right, let's wait and see. Zion, I like the Dallas Mavericks to go in. They're playing great. They've got Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and Doncic. I think they're just going to start developing better chemistry. They're my underdog there. So I'm going to take all three of those. I bet four units for a possible return of 19.5. I want to just talk about that for a minute. I think that's an outstanding return because I'm taking two favorites and then one Barely underdog plus 115 is a really low underdog. And obviously a parlay increases your uh, chances of losing because only one of them have to lose. But all these are straight up. I'm not even spread covering on any of them. Um, So the team that I legitimately think is going to win in each game, I'm just putting all together in a string there. And I'm going to hopefully more than quadruple my money on this almost five times my money because I think that's a great bet. Well, I can't really disagree with any of that. I admittedly have not followed any of the NBA offseason, so I probably can't give a whole lot of uh, um, advice or counterpoints to this one. So I'm going to just stick to uh, tailing you, though, and kind of see how this one works out. We'll see what your uh, basketball knowledge turns out to be and if you're somebody to tail for the rest of the season or not. Yeah, we'll see. This is going to set the precedent. If I can hit on an early parlay, our viewers are going to be all over my NBA. I'm going to be the... NBA guru. He'll be locked in for the next two months. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so that brings me to my fourth pick. And my fourth pick is actually Wisconsin and Ohio State. So I'm taking Wisconsin to cover 14 and a half here. Um, I think Ohio State's better. I think Ohio State's one of the best teams in the country. I just think 14 and a half is a lot um, in two top 15 team matchups. Um, Wisconsin has. I think played a little tougher of a schedule. Ohio State's only win is Michigan State, who, again, we look pretty rough. Uh, Wisconsin also played Michigan State, beat us by significantly more and looked significantly better. Ohio State, if you remember, Michigan State actually kind of hung in there for a little bit, where Wisconsin, it wasn't really close. Wisconsin's also ran through Michigan, who, again, I don't like Michigan. I think they're overrated, but they're a solid team. Beating Michigan is nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, they're a good team. <clears throat> Ohio State really hasn't been tested, is what I'm getting at. Um, 
I think Wisconsin's also being discounted because they're lost to Illinois last week. Um, the only reason they lost to Illinois, in my opinion, is they were getting ready for Ohio State and looking past Illinois. So I think they've had this game circled for probably a little too long on their calendar to let them uh, get away from themselves last week. But it's always tough to play a team that's bouncing back from a bad loss. They're going to be hungry. They're going to want blood. I can see this being one of those pretty defensive games. Uh, I, again, Ohio State's quarterback, Justin Fields, I, I don't know if he's really ever been tested. It'll be interesting to see how he responds. Again, I, I, I expect uh, Ohio State to – probably comfortably win this game maybe lead by one to two touchdowns most of the game but i just think ohio or wisconsin will keep it within 14 and a half that's almost disrespectful to a team that was ranked top 10 last week and still is in the top 15 yeah so this one's a little tough for me uh i actually kind of like ohio state on this one uh I don't think wisconsin kind of does this a lot i think wisconsin is a pretty good team but so often i mean so many times they are thought of as maybe like a top. I'm not saying Wisconsin's bad at all. I mean, they steamrolled Michigan State. Um, what I'm saying is that so many times Wisconsin's looked at, kind of thought as like a top five team, and it ends up there being a top 15 team. So maybe top 20 team. I think Ohio State's maybe the number one or two best team in the country. So this one's tough <clears throat> for me. You're, I agree. Ohio State's going to win, just like you said. Maybe they'll cover, maybe not. I'm kind of staying away from this game. If I had to bet, I think I'm actually going to take Ohio State on this one, but I'm staying away from this game just because I'm not so sure about Wisconsin, and I'm pretty sure about Ohio State. So, well, not sure there. But I also forgot to mention it was seven units for 667. Okay, I got you. Cool. All right, cool. So my last one is going to be actually – my lock of the week here, the Green Bay Packers against the Kansas City Chiefs. And oh, oh, fail on the lock again. Lock. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so lame. Okay. Well, 0 for 2. Uh, I thought that one would be better. But I, I like that. that's just, not foreshadowing how the lock turns out. <laughs> I've got the Green Bay to cover the spread, minus four here, and it's just the even bet, 15, and I received 15 back. So this is my lock and my uh, chief bet, my highest bet, no pun intended there, because they're playing the Chiefs. Here's why. They're obviously, Patrick Mahomes is not going to play. Even if he's healthy enough to play this week, they're going to sit him at least one week because of you know, they don't want to rush him back. He's listed as doubtful. No way he's going to play. Let's get that out of the picture. The Chiefs have a suspect defense. The Packers have a good defense. The Chiefs have an unknown at quarterback in Matt Moore. The Packers have a good defense at defending the run and defending the pass, actually. The Packers have established offense, great run game. Chiefs, terrible run defense, terrible pass defense. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is a top three, four at worst quarterback in the NFL. Four points is not that much. I think this could be a two-score game, really, if they get out in front. I realize Andy Reid, great coach. He can make Alex Smith look outstanding. Patrick Mahomes look like the best quarterback of all time. He'll probably make Matt Moore at least look decent, especially with Tyreek Hill. I think the Packers find a way to just be up more than four. I mean, four is not that much. I would have expected this game to be maybe a <clears throat> six-and-a-half, seven-point game because it's Aaron Rodgers in a maybe the best Packers defense he's ever had and Packers team he's ever had and maybe best <clears throat> Packers coached team he's ever had 
against a backup quarterback. I mean, they are on the road. Arrowhead is legit place, a hard place to play, but I don't know. I think four is not a lot for an Aaron Rodgers, maybe conversation of one of the best quarterbacks of all time with maybe his best team he's ever had to play up against a backup quarterback. I absolutely love them to cover minus four on this one. That's why it's my lock of the week and my heaviest bet 15 to receive 15. This is a primetime game. Um, I think they play Sunday night, so it'll be interesting. Somehow or another, ESPN has Kansas City as a 55% favorite um, in the matchup predictor. I, you know, I'm just looking over some of the stats right now. That's crazy to me, but either way, I really like the Packers team as a whole. Kansas City, I think, has a lot of holes that aren't that Patrick Mahomes is covering up, and they might be exposed a little bit now that uh, he's not there. So I actually have to agree. I almost put this one in mind myself. Uh, I hate to admit it, being a Lions fan, but I think this Packers team looks like they're on a mission. Um, And one thing you didn't even mention, Devontae Adams may be back this week. Packers have been running through teams using Marquez, Veldez, Scantling, and Geronimo Allison. Uh, I expect them to cover even without Devontae Adams, but if he comes back, it's just ice on the cake. I wasn't sure if he was going to uh, be back or not, so I didn't want to talk about it. You know, who knows? If he's back, obviously a huge advantage. But if not, I mean, yeah. Aaron Rodgers is had some of his best games of the season without him, even so. That was my point was just that I would take them at four, even without Devontae Adams. The off chance he does play, all that's going to do is maybe give you an extra three points or so that you're getting for free. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I would, I would definitely win Packers on this one. Also, the Chiefs have looked a little off this year even with Mahomes playing so on to my last pick and honestly uh this is more of just kind of a gut pick there's really no evidence to support either side of this but I'm taking the Chargers money line over the Bears at plus 165 so it's a five unit bet for 825 I have low confidence that's why it's my lowest bet of the week but I don't know there's something to me that I think this Chargers team is again way better than their record shows and you can probably say this about any team any year you want, but they're two and five with, again, a loss to the Lions on the road, which they missed like three field goals. So that right there would easily be a three and four team. And they should have won last week. Let's just be honest, 99 out of 100 times they win that game. So that would be now a four and three team. So now all of a sudden you're looking at a decent team versus a two and five team. I think this Bears team is abysmal. I mean, Mitch Trubisky looks worse than... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know. I could probably do what Mitch Trubisky's doing out there. Um, I mean, that's really all I have to say on it. I, I <laughs> matchup wise, matchup wise, I think it's probably going to be kind of low scoring. The Bears can't score. I think the Chargers will struggle to score against this Bears defense. But I just think if Philip Rivers really digs deep and kind of gets the guys together, they still have a lot of offensive pieces. They should be scoring thirty points a game. They have. Um, Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon, probably one of the best two one-two punches in the league right now. They have Philip Rivers, one of the probably top for sure ten quarterbacks in the league, if not top five when he's playing good. You still have uh, Keenan Allen, one of the best route running, short route receivers in the league. You have Mike Williams, one of the biggest deep threats, go up and get it, high point uh, receivers in the league. I mean, they and Hunter Henry, one of the best tight ends in the league. They literally have a top ten person at basically every single position on this offensive team. The line maybe isn't as strong as it could be, but I, I don't know. I just feel like this Chargers team is a lot better than they've been playing, and I'm either going to lose a lot of money trying to 
reverse that trend or make a lot of money by playing that trend for probably at least the next couple of games until they show me otherwise. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I agree with you. It's t- but it's kind of tough just because like I don't know the Chargers have just found a way to lose um, so often mm-hmm. and the Bears have a great defense. I do have no belief in Trubisky at all. I don't think anybody does. The bet on this game might be the over-under. Um, I see it's at 41. I might take the under on this game. This game might be an ugly, like, 17-10 game or 14-13 game or, you know, who knows, something like that. But I guess if you force my hand to pick uh, the money line like you did, I'd pick the Chargers as well just because I like the odds <clears throat> that they're getting. I don't think the yeah. Bears w- – what is it? Bears, I think, are minus 190 is what I'm seeing right now. I have to, yeah. to put money on the Bears and receive a minus 190 is just like suicide at this point. Like, come on, that's that, that that's like I mean, throwing I mean, money away. Point. And then to take them to cover three and a half when they can't even use score three and a half points, I'd, there's probably better games, but I kind of wanted an underdog that I thought had a decent chance to hit, and that's why I'm rolling Chargers yeah. here. No, I think it's a smart <clears throat> uh, value bet is what that is, but... Um, Either way. All well, right. that so total, I'll, I'll break down my bets uh, just to recap. I have the Sabres to cover a one and a half point spread at plus 230. The Eagles money line at plus 105. The Raiders plus seven. Um, the Lakers, Portland, Dallas parlay I talked about. Um, and the Green Bay Packers to cover minus four. And my total units betting this week are 44. And my possible winnings this week are 68. Point one, um, so I've got a chance to hopefully make some some good uh, unitage back. What about you? What's your totals? So again, mine was uh, Ben Askren over Damian Maya, uh, Texas cover one and a half at TCU, Notre Dame money line over Michigan, Wisconsin to keep it within fourteen and a half at OSU, and Chargers money line over the Bears. And I'm also coincidentally betting forty four total units, only for a return of forty on this one though. Uh-huh. Okay. Cool. Well, last one, we're going to round it out. As I said, I'm 0 and 1 um, in our head to heads. Jared actually picked this one, so I'll let him take it away. Last week, I picked the Jets at uh, plus 10 to cover. Um, this week, we're doing the Pittsburgh Miami game. So, Jared? So, I'm actually it's 13 and a half right now is the line for Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. I'm going to roll with Miami. They looked a little bit better last week. Not great, but I don't know if anyone watched. It ended up being, I think, a 10-point game with the Bills, but it was within seven for a lot of that game. They kept it pretty close. And the Steelers team, they've won a few games. They just look bad to me. I mean, Mason Rudolph can't even throw the ball more than two yards. I believe he's starting again. Um, he honestly seems like he could be a quarterback that's okay later on in his life. I don't know if it's just the Steelers trying to hold him back or – if he just has no confidence at all. But, I mean, there was a game I watched the other day where his it was the one of the primetime games they played, and I think two games ago. His average completed distance, not counting yards after the catch, was like 1.9 yards in the first half. He's basically handing the ball off just from a distance. I don't see the Steelers really having a runaway game where they go score 30 points. I think they'll struggle to put up more than 24 and I don't think that defense is really going to hold the Dolphins below 10. Uh, I expect the Steelers to win this one, but I think it'll be kind of one of those. You can tell they're going to win the whole game, but it's just kind of an annoying grinder game where they maybe win by 7 to 10, somewhere in that range. Yeah, this one, um, 
I'm struggling with to, to figure out a way that Pittsburgh's going to cover almost two touchdowns, 13.5. I think my only silver lining is the fact that it is just under two touchdowns at 13.5. Yeah. I think that the Pittsburgh could win by, you know, maybe be up by a touchdown the whole game, like you said, just the annoying game and then score a touchdown, you know, late in the fourth quarter. Maybe it's a, you know, a 24-17 game and then score a touchdown with, you know, six minutes left in the fourth quarter to go up by two touchdowns and then Miami can't do anything the rest of the game. Uh, the, Pittsburgh does have a pretty legit defense. If I have the argument to be made for Pittsburgh, it's that they've played tough in every game that they've played. Listen to their last five. They beat the Chargers, and they pretty much wiped the Chargers out. The only reason why it was close is because the Chargers basically got garbage time points, and the Chargers are no, or the Dolphins are no Chargers, so it's going to be tough for them to do that. They barely lost to the Ravens. 26-23 in overtime. They beat the Bengals. They lost to the 49ers by four, who 49ers are a top team in the league. And they lost to the Seahawks, another top team in the league by two. So I think that Pittsburgh is a good team. And I think that Pittsburgh's going to win this game, no doubt, obviously. But to cover <clears> two touchdowns might be tough, but I definitely don't see it as being out of the picture because they've had a really tough schedule. And let's be honest, you know what the Dolphins are on average losing by 25 points per game. So uh, positive regression would be only losing by two touchdowns. That would bring their point differential closer. So I actually, now that I'm thinking about it and talking through it, Pittsburgh minus 13.5, I'm, I'm liking a little bit more and more uh, just by that fact that I could win it with a two touchdown, a two touchdown uh, difference. Yeah. I mean, in the spirit of the head to head, we're going with the line. I think the real play is you buy that line up to 14 or even 14 and a half and ride the Dolphins if you want to yeah. be a little bit safer and risk some of your uh, return. But then you'd at least get that two touchdown on your side. But All right. we'll see how it goes. Well, that's going to uh, play us out here at, at Odds. That is our second week of our new format. I think, what is this, our, our fourth total episode, Jared? Yeah, I believe so. <clears throat> well... I uh, I won some money last week. I'm looking to win a little more. I got a little more aggressive in my betting, and hopefully I can get back to 500 on uh, head-to-head. Any last words there, Jared? Yep, just make sure to leave your inhalers at home, everybody. Yep, and tail Jared on UFC and, uh, and me on hockey here early in the season. All right, well, thank you, everybody, and uh, good luck this weekend.